Today's message is from Psalm 77. Uh, you heard Pastor Rick speak last week uh, about moving from uh, despair through prayer. And uh, the kid's song that uh, was about building a house on the rock. And when we do what Jesus wants, we're building on the rock. So uh, today's message is from Psalm 77. This psalm was of Asaph. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 77. If you're using the Pew Bible, uh, then it's on page 448. So this psalm was of Asaph, uh, who was David's uh, song leader. It appears that he was going through a great time of distress. We're not really sure about the actual cause of the distress. It doesn't really say uh, but uh, it seems quite clear from the psalm that it was due to a lack of God's presence or power. And I'm sure that most of us here can identify with that as a Christian. A season or a period of doubt, darkness, despair, distress. And you may be thinking, Bobby, that doesn't happen to me. But I can tell you it happens to me. As a Christian, we sometimes go through seasons of despair, seasons. I use the word seasons very deliberately because it passes. Hallelujah. But we do go through, that's the reality, through doubt, through despair, through fear. And it's such type of a situation that Asaph, the writer, went through in this particular psalm. And he so beautifully captured it so that we can read, meditate, and learn from it. We have thoughts of uh, how it was back then, in the good old days, in my case, back home, right? And where has all that gone? Now I don't see it anymore. And that's when you begin to doubt, you begin to question. And that's where Asaph was. He did not see the presence, the active move, the work of God in his life. And then he began to doubt. Now I'd like to read the passage. I'm not sure if you can see, is the print big enough for you all to see? Okay, so I need a new pair of glasses because I cannot see anything on that screen, very little. So, which is a clear indication I need a new pair of glasses. All right. Okay, Psalm 77. Please follow with me. I cry out to God, yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven. But my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended. When my nights were filled with joyful songs, I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? 
Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High God has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember how wonderful your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherd. I hope my reading was clear enough because you may have seen the transition from darkness to light and that's what I'm going to speak about today and I've titled uh, my message from darkness to light. Now let me put to you a few truths that we can glean from this passage. As it says in verse 1, the Amplified Bible reads, My voice rises to God and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. It's very interesting that Asaph, the writer, begins with that understanding. He will hear me. So the first truth I would like to lay before us is, when we cry out, God listens. That's a fact. When we cry out, God listens. That's a fact. Psalm 4.3 says, look at this. Look who got picked by God. He listens the split second I called to him. Why does God listen to us? Because he picked us. He chose us. We didn't choose God. He chose us. He redeemed us. We are his children. So when we cry out to God, I listen. I've got three boys. When they cry out, we as parents listen. Whether we, whether we do what they wanted, that's another thing. But I do listen. When my little fellow cries, I listen. What's he talking about? Is he creating a tantrum or is he asking something genuine? And I listen. Just like that, our Father God, when we cry out, always keep in my, my, mind, my friends, he listens. And that's a great assurance. That's a great assurance. And you know what? This is what the devil tries to attack, diminish, and then destroy. Three things. He tries to attack, 
he tries to diminish and then destroy it by questions of did God really speak if he really spoke and you prayed how come it's never happening it's been five years now and you haven't even seen a trace of the promise being fulfilled in your life God didn't listen the devil is up to his old tricks that he was doing with Adam and Eve same old tricks but this time he's hitting on the foundation that my father does not listen so if God listens how come I'm still waiting <laughs> that's a question I have if God listens how come I'm still waiting for certain things to happen in my life but I want to leave this truth with you it's a fact my friends and it's absolute it does not change just like I would throw an apple into the air I know for sure it will fall to the ground it's a fact and it's absolute when we his children cry out God listens so Asaph begins the psalm with that and this is where he gets attacked and then he begins to slide down the slippery slope and then you can see the next few passages is all about complaining truth number two when we correct our focus change happens so the first thing was when we cry out God listens and the second point is when we change our focus change happens when I get my eye tested I'm going to make sure that I'm able to focus and see clearly what's on that side of the screen so I need to change my glasses because I can't focus on anything at this point so it's a fact again when we change focus change happens this is a fact it's absolute Asaph began to doubt God's presence favor mercy and work in his life question to you does it happen to us as Christians I'm not sure about you but it happens to me when we begin to think I'm not an angel with wings flying and playing a harp I'm human I'm prone to pains I'm prone to fear I'm prone to doubt yes it does happen to children of God and Asaph captured it so beautifully if you notice from verse 1 to 12 if I go back I cry out to God yes I shout and then it goes on from verse 1 all the way to 12 you can see that there is a lot of I being used when I'm in deep trouble I searched for the Lord all night long I prayed but my soul was not comforted I think I moan I'm distressed 
I think of the good old days. It's all about me. It's I focused. But from verse 13 to 20, you will see a shift. It is you focused. It's God focused. So from verses 1 to 12, the focus is on Asaph, is on I, it's on me. From verses 13 to 20, the focus changes from I to you, which is from me to God. Please notice with me verse 10. If you have your Bible, you can look at it. Verse 10. If you notice something. At the end of his mourning, from verses 1 to 10, that's the end, midsection between 1 to 20, number 10. It's very interesting. And I know God put that there with a purpose. And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. I cannot run this race anymore. I'm tired. A state of resignation. It's right there. So all the complaining, all the whining, and nothing happening cannot sense the presence of God leads to a state of resignation. I give up. I can't fight this anymore. No joy. I don't want to greet people. I don't want to talk to people. Because I don't sense the presence of God in my life anymore. So what am I going to express? It's very interesting. Between 10 and the next one, oh, is 13. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? Is it a state of resignation now? You see that change that happened? Verse 10 and verse 13. The state changes. Now it's a state of Restoration. Did you notice? So in verse 10, from verse 1 to 10, he is so depressed in despair that he resigns a state of resignation. But in verse 13, he picks up and he says, Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? And then he begins his worship. So in verse 13, you can see clearly Asaph is beginning a state of restoration. And I pray that those of us who are in a state of resignation today will begin to experience a state of restoration beginning today. And do we as Christians go through those seasons? Yes, we do. I certainly do. Now let's look quickly and closely at what happened in between. Why did Asaph move from a state of resignation to a state of restoration? And the gems are hidden in two verses. 
That's exciting. I'm glad it's not a long one. We like it short and simple. So just to recapitulate as I move ahead with a few more points and then we'll come to an end. When we cry out, what happens? God listens. When we refocus, what happens? Amen. Now let's look at those two verses, 11 and 12, and glean, pick up some nuggets. That's the key to move from resignation to restoration. Are you with me? Let's do it. I will. Easy. I will think. I will remember. I will meditate. And I will talk. It's there in the scripture. So if you look at verses 11 and 12. I will read from 10. And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They, they are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. And 13, restoration begins to happen. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? So from those two verses, we glean the three or four key things that we need to practice to help us move from resignation to restoration. First one, think. In this day and age, it's very difficult to find time to think. Do you agree? We go on vacation, but we're thinking about how to take the boat on the water. Is there any fish that I can catch? Right? I tried fishing, I couldn't catch anything. So I'm now consulting. What am I doing wrong? So our thoughts are filled with everything else other than what the Lord has done in our lives. Our thoughts are filled with I. I used to be like this. I used to do this. I was this. I could do this. I could do that. Forgetting the fact that I was able to achieve all this because of the Most High God. So think what the Most High God has done in our life instead of what we have done or what we have had in our life. The promises that have been fulfilled in our life and how wonderfully the Lord has brought them to pass. The Lord has done it. We have not done it. Look at the example of the Israelites who focused on the good old days in Egypt. Do you remember that story? The Israelites began to focus on the good old days in Egypt. Instead of how mighty the hand of God, how the mighty hand of God had delivered them from bondage, they were focusing on onions, leeks and the meat. Numbers 11, 4 to 6. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. 
We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions and garlic we wanted. But now our appetite is gone and all we ever see is manna? Asaph's situation. State of resignation. We had all this. I did all this. It's about I. So they are thinking about what they did rather than what the Lord did. So the first step that we need to do to move from a state of resignation to a state of restoration would be to think. And I would encourage you, it doesn't take a great effort. The promises the Lord has given in your life, begin to think about them. Be deliberate about it. Bobby, but I don't have time. You don't have to have time. While you're sitting here in church, while you're driving, any time, any time you can use. What has the Lord promised? What promises have come to pass in our life or in my life? Number two, remember. It takes us to think to remember. If we do not think, we will not remember. Those are two different things, okay? When I was preparing this, my wife was like, what's the difference between think and remember? It sounds the same. No, no, no. It's different. If you don't think, you cannot remember. So I need to be deliberate about it. I need to sit and make an effort to think what the Lord has done in my life. Not what I've done in my life, okay? Then again, it becomes me-focused. What the Lord has done in my life. Then I remember. You know why? Because he's our father. He will reveal it to us. He will help you remember. Remember the specific deeds God has brought to pass in your life. The miracles, the promises that have been fulfilled in your life and in the lives of your loved ones. This brings to mind a hymn by Johnson Oatman Jr., Anybody want to take a guess? It begins with count. Count your blessings, hallelujah. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Oh, it was written in uh, 1897, right? It was written then. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Why? This will surprise you what the Lord has done. Wow. Wow. You know, uh, Johnson captured it pretty well, the hymn writer. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Remember, think about them, remember them. Count them. Wow, one, two, three, four, five. Hallelujah. This will surprise you what the Lord has done, not what you have done. Let me move on quickly. The third thing that we need to do to move from Resignation to restoration. Meditate. Isn't that the same thing as think? Is it? No, yes. Isn't the same thing as thinking? No, it's not. There is a difference. 
Meditating involves continuous thinking. It involves dwelling on the, on those promises. So we have thought about it. We think. When we think, we remember. And when we remember, we are able to continuously dwell on those promises, on those miracles of what the Lord has done. Bobby, I don't have time. When can I do this? Or how can I do this? When you're driving, maybe you want to turn off that radio and say out loud. People outside may think you're speaking on the phone, but that's okay. Which is good now. You've got Bluetooth, right? So drive around. Thank you, Lord, for doing this in my life. The promise that I had prayed five years ago came to pass this week. Hallelujah. Bobby, I may not remember everything. That's okay. We've got sticky notes. Stick it on your windshield. It works. Drive. But don't focus too much on it. Focus on the traffic. But just like you would look at a GPS, just like you would look at your GPS, right? A glance, that's enough. It works, I can tell you, it works. So you slowly begin to move from a state of resignation to a state of restoration. Because now you're beginning to think, remember, and meditate. And the final thing that people rarely do is this, talk about it. That's, I work in the area of counseling as well. So there is a particular therapy that focuses on talking about what you've achieved, in, what you have achieved in your life. But even the psychologists and the counselors say, what has happened in your life and the breakthrough you have achieved, speak about it. And thus you build a community. The Bible got it right many years, many, 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 many years ago. Talk about it. Where do we talk about it? In our family and in this family, church family. And when we confess, when we talk, what happens? Change happens. Restoration begins to take place because you're confessing now what has happened in your life. You're confessing. You're not only blessing yourself, but you're blessing another person who's listening to you who may be going through a state of resignation and hears your story, your talk, and is now on the path of restoration. Hallelujah. Thanks to you. And that's what I find an often thing, uh, the, the, the last step that people neglect, the talking piece. Bobby, I don't want to boast about myself. Don't. Speak about what the Lord has done. And if you think you're boasting, your father will remind you. At that point, you may want to stop. King James Version 72, 77, 12, it says, I will meditate on also of all, of all thy works and talk of all thy doings. So the talking piece is there captured 
in another version. The talking strengthens our faith, dispels doubt, casts out fear, grows hope and builds trust in us and for those around us, to those who listen to us. Some people won't listen, some people will listen. It doesn't matter. But we are to think. When we think, we remember. When we remember, we meditate. When we meditate, we go ahead and talk because now it's become part of us. We talk. Those who listen will listen. Those who don't listen, that's okay. But at least we have been faithful. Thus, we slowly begin to get rid of the stuff in the bag. Remember the stuff in the bag that's weighing us down? Doubt, fear. It begins to slowly dissipate. And then we begin to move into that path of restoration. So thus we slowly get rid of the stuff in the bag that we have been that has been weighing us down and also bring encouragement to those around us by our talk. I want to quickly share a personal story. If you read Psalm 136, quickly turn to Psalm 136, you would see what I'm going to share about Psalm 136. Some of you may know that psalm. It's the psalm where uh, usually used for responsive reading, right? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his faithful love endures forever, right? So the person reads the main uh, verse and then the congregation reads, Oh, your love endures forever, right? Jehoshaphat's army also prayed the same thing and they had victory. Your love endures forever. God is gracious, your love endures forever. That's all they sang. So Psalm 136. What we in our family, we have done is... When we go through seasons of resignation, one way what we have found is, if you look at the psalm, it's basically counting all that the Lord has done. The first half of it, we give him, uh, we keep it the same. The second half, we change it with what the Lord has done in our lives. Promises he has fulfilled. And we speak it out loud to, between ourselves and to our children. We're talking out loud. And what we have found is, it brings restoration. So I would say something like maybe in 136, give thanks to, the, uh, give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness, his faithful love endures forever. So it's recounting all of that, the Israelites. So we would replace that with what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks to the Lord for a job that the Lord has provided Bobby. His faithful love endures forever. Thank the Lord for children, a gift from God. His faithful love endures forever. We begin to recount the promises. And slowly we move from resignation to restoration. Finally to end. John Piper says, the central biblical strategy for coming out of darkness and discouragement and doubt is a conscious effort of the mind. This is the fight of faith. This is the fight of delight. This is the opposite of passivity and resignation. This is a strategy of life. Keep in mind, words kill, words give life. They are either poison or fruit we choose. 
You will notice that uh, the psalm ends fairly abruptly with the people of God being led by the hand of Moses and Aaron. That's the first thing I noticed as I read the psalm. Like, it ends abruptly. Did you notice that too? Okay. Matthew Henry in his commentary writes, But as soon as the good man began to meditate on these things, that's Asaph began to meditate on these things, he found he had gained his point. His very entrance upon this matter gave him light and joy. And his fear suddenly and strangely vanished, so that he needed to go no further. In other words, the unfolding of the word of God, the deeds of God, the miracles of God brought light. That the psalmist didn't have to go any further. When he changed his focus, change happened. Change happened from resignation to restoration, from I to you, from whining to worship. Therefore, it is intentional and a deliberate effort to realize that the fact that as God's children, he always listens to our cry and we correct. And when we correct our focus from whining about ourselves to worshiping him by thinking, by remembering, by meditating and talking about his wonders in our lives, we begin to move from darkness to light. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you, O oh God, for your word. I pray that the word that's been planted in our hearts, you would give us the grace and the strength and the ability to apply. That those of us in a state of resignation would move to a state of restoration. And those of us who are enjoying your presence would enjoy it even more as we totally and completely trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.